We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Welcome to another episode of Medicalization, a podcast miniseries that dives into some of the most peculiar and fascinating stories of the history of medicine. Some figures made it their mission to etch their names into history. Others found themselves thrust into it. Either way, their contributions have made medicine what it is today. I'm your host, Wafiq Sedholm. And I'm your host, Jessica Sedholm. In today's episode, we look at how one physician's astute observations led to the discovery of germ theory. This is the story of Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis. Episode 7, The Doctor's Plague. Good morning, Dr. Semmelweis. Welcome to Vienna General Hospital. I know the birthing world looks busy. Well, it is. There are a lot of women in Vienna having babies these days. Thank you, Doctor. I'm excited to begin my training here. Could you direct me to the- Please! No! Get me out of here! I cannot give birth in here! This hospital is cursed. I will die. My baby will die. I'm begging you, get me out. I'd rather give birth on the street. Madame, what is the matter? Why are you acting hysterically? I can assure you that we give the best care here. Oh, really? Then explain to me why. Oh, half of my friends that have entered this godforsaken area have left it dead. They give birth, and a few days later, I am at their funeral. The birthing clinic next door seems like a heaven compared to this hellhole. I feel the awe of you doctors, and I don't like it. You're, you're killing your patients. Doctor, is this true? Does what she say have any validity? It is true, I'm afraid. I honestly cannot explain the phenomenon. Why, I bet if you could figure it out, you'd be running this hospital in no time. Ignaz Philip Semmelweis was born in 1818 to a wealthy grocery family in what is now Budapest, Hungary. Having had a privileged life, he decided to study law at the University of Vienna in Austria, but he only lasted one year. He switched to medicine, for unknown reasons, and graduated in 1844. He had difficulty obtaining a position as an internal medicine doctor, and so decided to switch to obstetrics, the medicine of pregnancy and childbirth. Dr. Semmelweis was appointed to the role of assistant professor in Vienna General Hospital in 1846. He had a variety of duties, including delivering babies, teaching students, and managing patients around the birthing period. There were two main birthing centers in the hospital that were created for expecting mothers who were poor or destitute. The woman would be assigned to either the first or second clinic based on the day of their labor. You see, the clinics alternated opening every other day, so you wouldn't know where you would end up until the contractions actually started hitting you. This would normally not be a problem, 
since the two clinics were nearly identical in every way, location, structure, services provided. But in reality, they were not the same, and everyone knew it. The two locations had vastly different reputations among the people of Vienna. The first clinic was notorious for a much higher morbidity and mortality rate from purpural fever, a disease we now know is caused by uterine infection after childbirth. It was in fact so bad that women pleaded to be discharged from the first clinic or deliver in the second clinic because they knew that their chances of survival were vastly greater. They had seen friends and loved ones enter the clinic and leave in a coffin. Patients and the community alike began using the term doctor's plague to describe the disease because they feared that the doctor's presence would make them ill. Semmelweis was assigned to oversee the first clinic. He was befuddled by this discrepancy. He longed to understand why these seemingly identical places were causing such radically different outcomes for their patients. While others called this superstition or mere coincidence, the doctor could see the reality of the situation every day for himself. So he approached the problem with meticulous scientific reasoning. He knew a few things for certain. One, the patient populations were the same. Two, the climate was clearly the same. It's not like it was rainy in one clinic and sunny in the other. They were right next to each other. Three, the birthing practices, too, were nearly identical. This left him with only one noticeable difference. The providers in the first clinic, the one where everyone seemed to be dying, were doctors and medical students. The second clinic, however, was run entirely by midwives. But how could this account for an increase in mortality? Semmelweis would only put two and two together after a routine autopsy of a friend who had passed away from infection, a friend who was in contact with sick patients from the first clinic. He saw signs of childbed fever in the corpse, not too unlike the presentations of afflicted pregnant women. He slowly started to form his hypothesis. Perhaps, while doing autopsies, doctors and medical students were exposed to some element, some force, from the cadaver that was causing the spread of disease. And to make matters worse, he realized that medical students and their supervising doctors, in an honest effort to better understand purpural fever, began each morning with autopsies of the women who had died the day before and were likely spreading it. The midwives, on the other hand, did not participate in the practice at all. He made a clear and rational connection that the deaths of his patients were indeed caused by the actions of the physicians themselves. He did not know what was coming from the dead that was transmitted to the workers, but there had to be something. A bold statement such as this would not be taken lightly, so he needed to be certain before blaming his own medical community for all the death. He decided to try a simple experiment to test his theory. He ordered his students and fellow physicians to clean their hands in a solution of calcium hypochlorite until the smells of the corpses were rid from their hands. He felt that cleaning the hand until the smell disappeared meant that the poisons from the corpse were thus eliminated. The resultant decrease in patient mortality in the first clinic was, by all accounts, incredible. 
Within one month of his hand-washing techniques, the first clinic's mortality rate dropped by a whopping 90%. The germ theory of disease that is a mainstay of medical practice today had not been firmly established. No one knew at the time that bacteria, viruses, and fungi could be transmitted from one person to another through contact. They also didn't know that the microscopic beings were capable of creating disease because they didn't even know they existed. The leading obstetricians of the time, of whom Semmelweis addressed through speeches, letters, and his published works, were not easily taken to this idea that an invisible force was responsible for killing all these women. And to add insult to injury, the doctors themselves were the vehicles that were transmitting these diseases directly to the patients they were trying to help. The obstetricians at the time didn't buy it. Semmelweis, frankly, sounded like a madman, and no one really believed him. He was largely ignored by the scientific community. Purpural fever was instead largely attributed to anatomical anomalies, diets, environmental disturbances, among other pseudoscience at the time. Soon enough, Semmelweis's respect dwindled, and finding employment proved to be difficult with his newfound reputation. Several years after his initial discovery, Semmelweis found himself working in a small obstetric hospital in rural Hungary because no one would hire him. Purpural fever was rampant there too, so he implemented his trusted method and observed once again a near elimination of the disease from the hospital. His simple hand-washing technique was reproducible no matter the circumstances. I think it's that time, Jesse. Uh-oh. It's time to learn the science behind some of our favorite stories. Off to the Synaptic Center. Most bacteria are friends of man. Some even produce chemicals called antibiotics that are used to help fight different diseases. Only a few kinds of bacteria cause disease. It was the famed chemist Louis Pasteur of France who in the 1850s proved that bacteria cause fermentation. This explained many of the chemical changes that go on in nature. Pasteur also proved that bacteria never develop out of dead organic matter alone, as some people had believed. He emphasized that bacteria can only come from other bacteria. Soon afterward, it was found that bacteria can spread disease from a sick animal to a healthy animal. But this discovery was made by Koch, a German contemporary of Pasteur. This discovery is the basis of the germ theory of disease. Bacteria are single-celled organisms that utilize enzymes, structural proteins, and many other mechanisms to infect their host, and this has caused a myriad of diseases that still plague people today. The bacterium responsible for purpural fever in Semmelweis's time is now known to be Streptococcus pyogenes. It is implicated in many diseases, such as strep pharyngitis, which is commonly known as strep throat, scarlet fever, and rheumatic fever. 
At its worst, it causes toxic shock syndrome and necrotizing fasciitis, both of which are rapidly fatal without treatment. It uses several avenues to cause infection in its host. The capsule that surrounds the genetic material is made up of hyaluronic acid. This material acts like a suit of armor and makes it difficult for the white blood cells of our own immune system to launch an attack. Streptococcus pyogenes also contains various specific enzymes that make it so pathogenic. One enzyme, streptokinase, leads to the breakdown of fibrin, a vital component involved in the formation of normal blood clotting. Another enzyme, hyaluronidase, breaks down the connective tissue, allowing to penetrate tissues even further by getting through the molecular scaffolding that keeps the cell intact. This bacterial strain is just one of many virulent organisms that have plagued humanity. The germ theory of disease, once proven, radically changed the course of medicine forever. The implementation of sanitary conditions resulted in drastic outcomes for patients and prevented the outbreak of communicable diseases across the world. The secret was to reject the long-held belief that these diseases were spread by what olden folks called miasma. Or basically the presence of a putrid air that emanated from infected objects. Spooky. Scary. Many people believe that miasma was an inevitable part of life, and once it was proven that humans could actually intervene to prevent disease, that's when progress really began. We now know that communicable diseases are caused by living organisms, like bacteria or fungi, and non-living organisms, like viruses. A lot of these organisms have evolved much like humans, using their environment and the natural mechanisms of evolution to produce more viable offspring better capable of spreading and surviving. Good for them, bad for us. Careful study of how this and other strains cause disease has led to advancements in hygiene. Hand washing, use of antiseptic chemicals, safe sexual practices, and limiting the spread of airborne particles are clear implementations of the war on germs. This knowledge and humanity's response to it is arguably the most impactful measure implemented in medicine to date. Dr. Semmelweis was never really able to gain the respect he deserved for his incredible achievements. There are plenty of rumors out there regarding his mental demise. He began to act sexually inappropriate, forgetful, mentally altered. He also started to overdulge on alcohol and prostitutes. Some say he suffered from Alzheimer's disease, others argued tertiary syphilis, or merely it was the overwhelming anxiety from his ostracism that just eventually got to him. His demise was rapid, and by 1865, his colleague, Hanos Balasa, believed that he met the criteria for institutionalization. Dr. Semmelweis, once a respected member of the Viennese community, was lured by the promise of a new job to an insane asylum in the Austrian town of Lazaratagasse. There, he was promptly beaten, put in a straitjacket, and left for dead in a cold, dark cell. A mere two weeks later, Ignaz Semmelweis passed away at the young age of 47. The official record states he died of pyemia, which is a bacterial infection likely precipitated by the beatings he received while being tortured. 
I mean, here, so incredibly ironic that the guy died of infection and simultaneously was also the father of germ theory. Yes, to double down on that irony, here's a man that spent his entire career bringing life into this world, Mm -hmm. but he dies completely alone. Yeah, distance from family, friends, colleagues, obituaries around Europe were scarce and his memory was largely forgotten. It wasn't until others proposed and proved the germ theory of disease that people began to remember Semmelweis's contributions to medicine, and he finally received the credit he deserved. He is now regarded as one of the pioneers of the antiseptic revolution, and his legacy lives on in every hospital and every clinic today. Louis Pasteur, the French scientist who definitively proved germ theory to be true, once stated, If it is a terrifying thought that life is at the mercy of the multiplication of these minute bodies, it is a consoling hope that science will not always remain powerless before such enemies. That alone tells us how important the work of germ theory is, and how often we take it for granted. Semmelweis's tale is a powerful testimonial to the idea that simple actions like washing your hands or vaccinating your children, influence our surroundings more than we know. It is these simple mechanisms that protect those around us. It is the lack of them that can inflict great damage. Samuel works live on. Every act of hygiene is a mark of his vision and his success. Yeah, so wash your hands and vaccinate your kids. Please. Yeah. Uh, keep that Purell on you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Medicalization. Please make sure to follow us on iTunes and or SoundCloud and give us a review. You don't have to give us a review, but sharing with your friends and writing a review are the best ways to help us out. We'll see you next time for another look into the medical history vault with Jess and Wafiq. Until then, toodaloo. We would like to thank Nate Ziley for his role as the attending physician, Alex Merson for his role as Dr. Semmelweis, as well as Carrie Nelson for her role as pregnant lady. I steal the aura of you doctors and I don't like it. You are killing your patients. Good morning, Miss Dr. Semmelweis. I'm good again. Medicine Connect. Now, back to our show.